This story was recorded on November 17, 2018, at a storytelling festival at the Connecticut Valley Tobacco Museum. The views expressed are those of the storyteller, not the museum. So maybe you can just say your name again and where you're from. Um, Howard McCormick, and I'm from Windsor. I live in Windsor. Wonderful. So maybe we'll begin, but you can just tell me how you got involved in tobacco in Connecticut. Well, my grandfather owned um, H.F. McCormick Leaf Tobacco Company, Um, and he was Howard Sr. So uh, it was a family business, and he had property uh, in Bloomfield, which is now McCormick Place. It's now uh, Holmes, and property in Granby. And he bought the Dubon Farm in Pequannock on River Street, 285 River Street. Uh, The Dubons, I believe, uh, grew during the 30s and the 40s. Um, My grandfather bought the Dubon Farm. It was either, I believe, 49 or 50. Now, our family originally was from uh, East Hampton. And so my grandfather moved my father, my mother, and myself to the farm on River Street uh, in 51, in 1951. So uh, that's, uh, you know, I was just three years old at the time. But uh, when I was 12 years old in the summer, he would take me in his Obismobile to different farms. He knew basically all the farmers in the Windsor area. And he would, you know, bring me around with him because he said, you've got to learn because at 14, you're going to be dragging your bum down a row. You're going to learn from the ground up, you know, learn, you know, how to sucker a plant. And I don't know if I should continue on with, you know, what, what do you mean? I'm talking learn, learning from the ground up, from planting to suckering to tying the plant up, because most of the um, uh, farm, which I believe was 107 acres of shade tobacco, and a small number of acres of broadleaf, or what's called sometimes outdoor tobacco. But the majority of the the, uh, product that he grew was shade, which is very labor-intensive very extremely labor-intensive compared to broadleaf. Um, so, I mean, you have to tie it, and then otherwise it'll just fall over. You've got to uh, twist it and go in again after it's growing. You've got to go in and twist it so that it still stays tight uh, because there's only like 42 or 44 inches between rows. So you can't have the plants leaning over. They have to be tied to a wire under the tent. So, and then then the process of the different pickings, you know, could be two-leaf or three-leaf pickings, uh, could be uh, seven or eight pickings from, a, from, a, a, from that uh, piece of land. You know, all the properties had names. So you knew where, which lot to go to. But um, 
and then you know the picking and the dragging of, of the plants out and then the sowing on what I believe he had were I think they were called Landis uh, machines that girls uh, from the area actually well most of the girls that worked on the farm were from either Hartford or New Britain they didn't they weren't the Pennsylvania girls or the Florida girls or uh, who came up for the summer these were uh, would be pick, ladies that would be picked up, and uh, in the area, and and a lot of the boys that worked on the farm were Hartford Bloomfield boys, tended to be, and some local Windsor Windsor guys. Um, and and he also had, uh, you know, migrant workers, uh, either from Puerto Rico or from Jamaica, and um, some of the. Uh, migrant workers, not not too many, were actually settled in the Hartford County area. They actually settled, mm. but uh, you know, very labor intensive, especially compared to outdoor tobacco, which basically you let it grow. You don't have to worry about it being under a tent. If you tried to grow shade tobacco without the tent, it would be worth nothing. It would sunburn. And it wouldn't be worth anything. So how did you, when did you, did you start at 14 working yes. in the fields? Yep. Yep. And at uh, 16 and one month, I got my license. So I was driving truck, uh, pickup or, or farm truck. Um, but uh, yeah, the first two years was uh, on the ground, on the ground, learning, learning everything you need to do. Hmm. And I, he had me do picking and, well, as I say, first suckering, taking the small uh, plants away because you can't, you, you would need to have one dominant plant. The tobacco is, shade tobacco is kind of like a weed. It grows very quickly, but it also grows a lot of little sucker plants around it. You don't want those. I actually saw a picture out here in the museum where there were some sucker plants that should have been removed uh, in one of the pictures. So was it always your ambition to take over the family farm? Mm. Mm. I didn't know exactly. I mean, I went to when I went to college, I went with a concentration in biology uh, with the thought that, um, you know, the farm might might um, go to uh, I, I call the Brown model, the Brown's model, uh, where it would be tobacco and uh, vegetables. All right, that was my thought. But as things turned out, my grandfather became ill uh, with Parkinson's. And my uncle, one of my uncles, got power of attorney, and it became, things started disappearing, property, you know, equipment. So that's, I don't know if I should even, you know, talk about that. But uh, that became the demise of the McCormick Farm. And the Browns bought some of the land, some of the land, and, and, and there were several other, well, some of it uh, in Pequannock is uh, Strawberry Hill. The kind of, all the, that land was all tobacco land. Um, so, uh, and Meadows was, uh, one, that's one of some that uh, the Browns bought. Hubble Brown and Eleanor Brown, Stanton Brown, Merwin. So, uh, and... Uh, he, you know, we, we knew, you know, the different farmers, they knew each other. 
Everybody knew each other. And you'd, you'd ask, what picking are you on? You know, what, how many leaves are you taking this, in this picking? You taking two this time? You taking three? And I used to listen to this when I was like 12. And, uh, I mean, he would even take me because uh, when the tobacco is, is um, sewed on lath and then put up in the, sh- in the sheds to dry, uh, you got to watch it. Not only do you, did you have to uh, keep it warm until all the moisture came out of it and turned green to, to a golden uh, tan color, uh, but you also had to know whether the uh, weather was uh, too much humidity uh, and because you could ruin the tobacco if it's too humid, you could ruin it um, by letting it get too humid. So you'd have to uh, close up all the, the shed laths, uh, slats. And so you ne- needed to know. And he would take me and he would say, okay, now feel this, feel these, these plants. What do you think we need to do here? And I was like 16. Uh, you think we should open up and let it dry out a little? Or do you think maybe we should uh, uh, close it down and close them up? And, and so you, you got to know the feel you could get, you got the feel. There was no forte moisture meters or available at the time, and so you just got the the feel for whether the, the leaves were going to be okay, mm-hmm. because you didn't want to crack one. You didn't want to crack one. Uh, another thing about shade is shade tobacco uh, is is more delicate, as I say, than uh, outdoor. Outdoor, you know, you take the whole stock. You don't do pickings. So. Uh, the, uh, the the plant the shade tobacco plants were uh, more susceptible to uh, insects, um, and if an insect puts a hole in a leaf, the leaf's not of any value. So you or things like uh, disease, like mold. Uh, I can remember the time we we had a field that looked pretty good but underneath the leaves there were mold had to till it in and to take the tractor and just till it under and then let it let the ground sit uh, tobacco actually too is some some uh, vegetable plants are, are good for the soil tobacco is not that great for the soil it takes from the soil it doesn't really give back so uh, the uh, the interesting thing is you, you can't grow every year You've got to let the land, you know, a field go fallow uh, for a, a year or two sometimes to let it get back its nutrients or, or you know, put in nutrients, put in fertilizers and, and, uh, and make it ready to, to grow again. But you just can't grow every year. So <clears throat> can you think of stories that are significant to you about your time working in tobacco? Uh, that are significant to me, or uh, memorable, or represent the time you spent, you know, with your grandfather and, and your family working in tobacco. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a family business. It was a family business, and and being a family business, uh, you really want it to succeed. You know, you want it to succeed, and uh, but it was a, a, a good little community uh, of of farmers, as I say, most of the farmers I knew. Um, we're in the Windsor, uh, Bloomfield area, maybe some in Granby, but we're on what I call the west side of the river. I didn't know too many of the farmers on the on the uh, east side, but um, 
they were the big they were the big boys, the big the big farmers, you know, like uh, uh, OJT Oliver J- Joseph Thrall, like to be called Joe Thrall to me, Mister Thrall, and his his brother Howard, uh, very good friends with my grandfather, uh, American Sumatra on on Prospect Hill Road over here, and and in Bloomfield and and other towns. Uh, big boys, big big farmers, as well as Coleman brothers, Colbro Tobacco. Those are the three big people, you know. But there were a lot of you know nice nice small farms uh, like Brown, like Ransom, uh, Kendricks, uh, Hasting. Um, some of the ones I remember, uh, I think Mendelssohn. But those are some that I, you know, that I remember. Small, the smaller farmers, even the Huntingtons, the Huntington family grew some tobacco too. Mm. So uh, there were there were several smaller uh, farmers in the area, and everybody knew each other. It was like a, a community. Mm. You know, there were no, you know, it wasn't a big secret. Oh, I'm not going to tell you how many leaves I'm picking. You know, it was kind of helping each other. Mm. You know, and. Uh, but yeah, they they would talk all the time. I'm seeing that our time has come <coughs> to a close. Time. But is there anything you want to add to, or share before we? Well, is that end? A, a question that you uh, think that I didn't answer? There... No, I mean you've shared a lot of great, great um, okay. perspective. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I I'm not sure that uh, you know I. It wasn't bad. Let's say okay. I ended up going to uh, three other companies in my career, um, but my I look back at you know being with the farm and starting it from the dirt level up, uh, it wasn't bad. It was quite okay. So you stayed okay. in tobacco <laughs> uh, only through college, uh, because my uncle started selling off. He did not want to go with the what I called again the brown model of growing tobacco and vegetable kind of diversifying yourself because and I, I say, back in the th- 30s, 40s, especially 30s, there's probably 20,000 acres of, of shade tobacco grown in the valley. When you got into the 60s, which was my time frame really, because I was just a boy at 50 in the 50s, uh, but in the 60s when I was uh, involved, there wasn't even half of that. It was not even half of that acreage, um, and so it was it was changing. And then in, in the end of the seventies and you know the, like early eighties, it was like twenty percent of that. Okay, so things were changing. Things were changing. Uh, you know, I thought the model needed to change. My uncle thought well, would sell off the property. So that w- that was you know. But as I said, I don't regret it. I don't regret any of it. Was quite okay. Mm. 